Well, as Phil alluded to in his time of Scripture reading and prayers, a few months ago we began the, the Songs of Ascents, where we are, are going up. Psalms 120 through 134. And how many of them are there? Fifteen of them. And we have uh, preached right through them. These are the songs Israel sang as they made their pilgrimage up to Jerusalem. Say. But by, by divine decree, the Lord made it clear. Deuteronomy 16.16 16, Three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place in which He chooses. During the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is Pentecost. The Feast of Weeks, which is Pentecost. And the Feast of Booths, which is the Feast of Booths. And as they traveled up to Jerusalem in their caravans, these 15 psalms were their hymnals. They sang these songs to prepare their hearts for when they would arrive in Jerusalem to worship the Lord. And as we come this morning to our last of the Song of Ascents, we, we come to Psalm 134. Now, we haven't looked at these psalms in order because like a hymnal, we don't sing in order. We don't sing hymn number three this week, holy, 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 and then sing number four the next week and number five the next week. We jump around thematically and that's what we have done. We began in Psalm 122. You can open your Bibles to the Songs of Ascents if you aren't there already. Psalm 122 speaks about the, the traveling up to Jerusalem. David said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And, and then by verse 2, he says, our feet are standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. There's been the call to go and worship the Lord. And, and now his feet are there, they're standing. And, and says in Jerusalem, verse 4, is which the tribes go up. The tribes of the Lord who received this Deuteronomy 16.16 command, which was an ordinance for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. So Psalm 122 even describes the tribes need to go up to Jerusalem according to the ordinance of the Lord to give thanks to the Lord. After Psalm 122, we we went back to the beginning. Psalm 120, in which we find the the psalmist in a a far land, far away from God. Verse 5. Woe is me, for I sojourn in Meshech. I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Too long has my soul had its dwelling with those who ate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Here we, we, we find the psalmist away from God and away from God's people. And he, he longs to get back to Jerusalem. And then we went through and hit Psalm 121 in which he says, I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where, where shall my help come from? Like we sang today, my help comes from the Lord. But he would say the mountains because as he went up, you go up to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was on this plateau in the mountains. So you walked and as he was, they're walking up, he's looking up into the mountains and seeing, well, where's my help come from? I'm going to Jerusalem, but my help is in heaven with the Lord God. And, and even the mountain theme, we, we looked at that in Psalm 125. Those who trust in the Lord are as Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people from this time forth and forever. And, and maybe when the, the psalmist got up over that ridge to see the plateau where Jerusalem was, maybe he was thinking about just how, how these mountains surround Jerusalem. God surrounds His people. And so we, we looked at the mountain psalms together. On Mother's Day, we looked at Psalm 127, a, a good mother's psalm. On Father's Day, we looked at Psalm 128, in which speaks about how blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. And in verse 3, even speaks about a wife being strong. On Memorial Day, we looked at Psalm 124, which speaks about military victories of Israel. 
And uh, several of these songs also we, we took thematically. Psalm 123 and Psalm 131 are, are humble psalms. They are humility psalms. And we've sprinkled everything else in. But this morning we finish up our series in Psalm 134. And it's, it's appropriate because this is the climax of the Song of Ascents. It describes, if you look there, even worship in the temple to which everyone else has been uh, looking towards and pointing towards and anticipating worship in the temple. In fact, right here is my purpose through preaching through these songs of ascents. My heart has been that it would teach us a little bit about preparation for worship and leading up there. Because we come here to Rock Valley Bible Church every Sunday to worship the Lord together and we have a divinely inspired hymnal to help us prepare to worship the Lord together. My hope and prayer in working through these psalms is that God might impress upon your heart just the the central themes crucial that He wants us to dwell upon as we think about worship here on Sunday mornings. In fact, we're going to have a great opportunity to apply some of these things in two weeks. Next Sunday's Labor Day, I plan on preaching a message on family worship, encouraging all of you just to worship the Lord in your homes. But the week after that, September 8th, we're planning to have a special praise and prayer service. Uh, we as elders kind of been thinking about this. So just, just trying to have a couple times a year just a, a climactic um, sort of service in which we really seek the Lord. We're going to have more songs that Sunday. Uh, we're going to have some seasons of prayer, whether it's privately, whether it's in families, or whether in groups, or whether corporately. Just in all, to stir our affections and our hearts to the Lord. I want you to come desperate for Him. I want you to, to come that Sunday really seeking to praise the Lord, really seeking even to participate in maybe a, a special way. And really, I think it's an application here to the Psalms of Ascents as we come that Sunday. So you'll hear, you'll hear more about that. We really encourage you. My preaching is going to be shorter so maybe you'll come because of that. I'm not sure. But our worship time is going to be longer that Sunday. Well, we are Psalm 134. In the temple, the psalm calls us to worship the Lord, seek a blessing from the Lord. I want to read it together. It's real simple. Three verses. Behold, bless the Lord, all servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord, Lift up your hands to the sanctuary and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, He who made heaven and earth. The key word in this psalm occurs three times, once in each verse. It's the word, who's got it? Bless. You can see it there at the beginning of verse 1. Behold, bless the Lord. You can see it there in verse 2 at the ending of it. It says, and bless the Lord. In verse 3, you can see it right there at the beginning. May the Lord bless you. And appropriately, I've entitled my message this morning, Blessings. Verses 1 and 2, it's we who bless the Lord. And in verse 3, it is the Lord who blesses us. That's my first point, bless the Lord. It is my call to all of you is to bless the Lord. It's right there in verse 1. The first word, behold, is sort of a call. Behold, bless the Lord. Um, This is the same word in used in Psalm 133, verse 1, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell in unity. In Psalm 133, this this word is is a call to observation. Just look and see how wonderful it is when brothers dwell in unity. 
But here in Psalm 134, the same word behold is not a call to observation. It's a call to action. Behold, right? Get to it. That's why the English Standard Version translates this word come. English Standard Version says come, bless the Lord. That, that, that is the sense that you get right here. Now, at this point, a question would well be asked. What does it mean to bless the Lord? When we think about blessing, we don't normally think about blessing the Lord. We think about Him blessing us. We normally think about verse 3. May the Lord bless you from Zion. We normally think about a superior blessing and inferior. The politician blesses and kisses the baby. The older patriarch blesses his children, but it doesn't go the other way around. It's not the children who bless the patriarch. It's not the baby who blesses the politician. And it's not we who bless God. It's not the inferior who blesses the superior. That, that's, that's a scriptural concept. Hebrews 7, 7. Without any dispute, the lesser is blessed by the greater. Referring to Melchizedek's greatness because Melchizedek blessed Abraham. Abraham didn't bless Melchizedek. Melchizedek was greater than Abraham because he's the one to whom he blessed. And Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek. Right? You, you pay tithes to the better one rather than the better one paying tithes. And so, normally it's a superior blessing the inferior. But here in Psalm 134, it's different. It's the inferior blessing the superior. And you say, how, how do we understand this? I don't think it's too difficult. Simply replace the word bless with the word praise. And that's what, that's what it means. In fact, that's why the New International Version translates this. Praise the Lord. Both in verses 1 and verse 2. I think that's a great way, the, the proper way of looking at things. But you need to know that the word in verses 1 and 2 is the same as the word in verse 3. Barak. To bless. Right? We we, we bless the Lord in verse 1. We bless the Lord in verse 2. And God blesses us in verse 3. And I, I think in many ways, the best thing to do, in Bible translation, by the way, is to translate the same word the same way. If you can, just understand it differently. There is a way in which we bless the Lord. But, it, but it's not in the same sense that God blesses us and gives everything to us. It's in the sense that we, we bless Him, we, we praise Him. <clears throat> and in that sense, as He sees His servants, His people... Giving honor to him, he then is blessed and happy and has joy with that as well. This word is used many times throughout the scripture in this way. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Let me just, just praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Forget none of his benefits. Psalm 104. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, You are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. And there even you can see He's blessing the Lord, but He's saying, God, You are great. I am blessing You. Psalm, 134, verse, Psalm 34, verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. There's blessing and praise used in the same verse. Parallelism. They mean the same thing. Psalm 104, 100, verse 4. Enter His gates with thanksgiving, His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. And many times throughout Scripture, it's, it's used this way. And there's a way that we as inferiors are able to bless our superior Lord when we praise Him. That's what the call is. Bless the Lord or praise the Lord. But notice here, who is called to bless the Lord? And here you might be surprised a little bit. It says this, Behold, bless the Lord, all servants of the Lord. 
You might think all servants of the Lord. We all are servants of the Lord, right? But but look at how the servants of the Lord are described. The, these servants who, verse 1, they stand or serve by night in the house of the Lord. Literally, it means to stand by night in the house of the Lord. So I ask you, who stands by night in the house of the Lord? It's not the pilgrims who just made their journey up to the house of the Lord. Certainly, they came into the house of the Lord and they worshipped the Lord in the temple, but they didn't all spend the night in the temple. There'd be no way that the number of pilgrims could all, could all do that. They didn't serve in the temple in that way. They didn't stand there. But who did? The Levites did. The priests did. They are the servants of the Lord that verse 2 is speaking about. They were the ones given in charge of the temple worship. They were the ones who took the night watches in the temple. We read in 1 Chronicles 23, verse 30, of the Levites who are to stand every morning to thank and praise the Lord, and likewise at evening they are to stand and praise the Lord. These Levites, given this function, the morning and in the evening, probably morning and evening sacrifice, when they offer their sacrifice every morning and every evening, they're supposed to be there and worship the Lord. In fact, there's even a group of people in the tabernacle, in the temple, who were singers. It says in 1 Chronicles 9.33 that they lived in the chambers of the temple and engaged in their work day and night. Just like Anna the prophetess in Luke chapter 2, verse 37. She was 84 years old. She was a widow and she never left the temple serving night and day with fastings and prayers. And that's who is called to praise the Lord here. The, the Levites who keep charge of the tent of meeting, who charge the holy place, who they serve over the house of the Lord, are responsible for all their sacrifices and they worship the Lord. So the call here in verse 1, catch this, originally wasn't to the pilgrim going up. It was originally directed to the Levites. They were the ones, verse 2, who were to lift up their hands to the sanctuary and bless the Lord. This is probably like a, a priestly blessing in some regards. They're to, to lift up their hands or to, to bless the Lord on behalf of the people. In some way, this is a reflection of the difference between Old Testament worship and New Testament worship. In Old Testament worship, the focus was on the priests was upon the sacrifices that people would, would bring, right? You need to worship the Lord. You sin. You, you bring this sacrifice and you hand it over to the priest. And the priest is the one that slits its throat, that pours out his blood, that cuts it up, that burns it on the, on the altar. And the priest is the one who then prays for you and you go your way. But that's Old Testament worship. Our, our New Testament worship, things are different. We don't need a human priest. We need a priest, but we don't need a human priest because Jesus Christ is our priest. We don't need an animal sacrifice because Jesus Christ has become our perfect sacrifice. In other words, you might say it this way. The Old Testament focused on priests. The New Testament's focus upon Jesus. He is our worship, our perfect high priest. He's the one that died in our place. He's the one that, that those who believe in Him will never perish but have everlasting life. He is our mediator between God and man. And as He doesn't dwell the temple in Jerusalem, He doesn't dwell here anywhere on earth, He dwells at the right hand of God the Father Almighty in heaven. So that's where we go. We, we seek Him in heaven. God doesn't call us to bring sacrifice to Jerusalem. 
But when we approach the Lord in worship, we, we need a sacrifice. And Jesus has become our sacrifice. We need a priest. Jesus is our priest who mediates for us. And so we seek things in heaven. And by faith we come to Him. And by faith we worship the Lord. Hebrews thirteen fifteen. Through Jesus then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of lips that give thanks to His name. Just continually offering up this sacrifice. We, we can go and offer up this sacrifice anytime we want. Any place we want. Any time we want. Because Jesus is there. And, that, and that's the call here of Psalm 134 is for the Levites to, to praise the Lord. But even though that was the first direction author's intent, though absolutely it applies all of us today in New Testament worship. That's why I put my first point by way of command. Bless the Lord. This is the call to each and every one of us is to bless the Lord. We are Levites, if you will. We are priests. Peter calls us priests. A new priesthood, a royal priesthood. 1 Peter chapter 2. And we are all called to praise and bless the Lord. Now, this can happen in many ways. As I said, even Hebrews thirteen fifteen, we can approach heaven and we're called to continually offer praise. That can happen anytime. Morning, evening, night. Can happen two times a day, can happen ten times a day, can happen thirty times a day, can happen continually. Uh, we can approach God and bless the Lord with anyone. You can do it by yourself. You can do it with your spouse as you kneel by your bed and pray together. You, you can do it in your family at family worship, which I'll talk about next week. You can do it in the congregation when everyone is praising the Lord together. You, you can praise the Lord at any place, whether it's at home or on an airplane or at a soccer game or checking out at a store. You, this, this issue, this topic of worship is just huge about where you can do it, how you can do it, what things prompt you to it, whether it's scriptures or prayers or confession or songs or meditation, how to do it. But this morning, I want to give you some practical application, really in light of corporate gatherings. Because that's what Psalm 134, that's what Psalms of Ascent are about. It's about the, the corporate people coming together to worship. The nation of Israel gathered together for corporate worship. And so I'm just going to give you some, some application, real practical application here. The text is real small. I just want to help you with how you can bless the Lord. Coming each Sunday to church is important. Consider what John Calvin said. We should consider it the great end of our existence to be found numbered among the worshipers of God. We should consider it the great end of our existence to be found numbered among the worshipers of God. The Westminster Catechism says the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever, right? And, and Calvin is just saying that our chief end is to be one of those people who are constantly praising God. And ultimately that is in, in heaven with Christ. But... But practically, it means that we need to be among a people of God here upon earth who are worshipers of God as well. That's why Sunday mornings are, are important. It's in our culture when believers gather. Let me give some help, practical help for us this morning. Here we go. Number one, Sunday morning worship begins on Saturday night. If you plan on leaving for a trip early in the morning, there are preparations you need to make in order to get on that trip. You have to pack your bags. 
have to fill your car with gas and you go to bed early. And when it comes to corporate worship, the same principle holds. Worship on Sunday morning takes some preparation. Now, don't get me wrong. You can come here on Sunday without any preparation at all. You don't need to shower. You can come in your pajamas if you want. You can just wake up and drive and come and be right here. And that's fine. But you'll be here. But there's some ways that can enhance a, a corporate worship by coming on Saturday evening to prepare for Sunday mornings. Because there's some things on Saturday evenings that can take place that will spoil your Sunday mornings. Like if you're out too late. It can spoil a Sunday morning because you're kind of sleepy and you're not, you're not, you're not with it. Or you're up too late. Just plain up too late. Just plain having fun with Google, right? Having fun on your favorite blogs. Do whatever. Watching late night TV. Watching some kind of movie. That can destroy Sunday morning worship for you. If your children are up too late, that will work against Sunday mornings. Right, Ivan? <laughs> by the way, I'm not a model of this, okay? I'm... I'm saying just I know what, what needs to be done. If you make no plans for what Sunday morning is going to look like, that can ruin Sunday mornings. If you fill your mind with garbage on Saturday night, that won't help Sunday morning as well. So I, I just encourage all of you to think about sun, Saturday nights. Yvonne and I just even just pledge to look at our Saturday nights again afresh. And plan so that Sunday morning should be the best they can be. All right, second, a, a calm Sunday morning will help prepare your heart for Sunday worship. Sunday mornings can be a hectic time. Amen? Amen. You've got all these kids to prepare. Kids can oversleep. Breakfast, you can have a spill. A toilet can get clogged. You can have an argument along the way. Children get into a fight. And Satan loves these sort of things. Anything to distract a heart from undevoted attention to the Lord. And so I, I encourage you to plan a buffer for Sunday morning. Spend some time in the Word of God before church. Spend some time praying before going to church. Maybe put on some God-honoring music. Read Scripture in the car on the way to church. Go over your fighter verses on the way to church. Come an hour early. Join us for prayer. You know, a core group of us gather every Sunday morning just right out here in the family room to pray. We go over some Scripture together to stir our hearts. We pray for our needs. We pray for the lost. We pray for you all in the worship service. We pray for my preaching. We've worked hard to vary that up. But I say it's a great way to prepare for the Lord. And if you're late for that because you had a spill, you're still in buffer in time to come. But I know... As a pastor, as a preacher, how important that time is for me just to reflect and think about, okay, what, what are we doing here on Sunday? We are, we are coming and worshiping the Lord and we need His help. And, and where do we ever plead for His help? But specifically, every Sunday morning we plead. And so I, I just encourage you, if at all possible, maybe a great time for you to come. And again, our family is not models of this. Our Sundays are often hectic. Um, Sunday mornings are because I'm, I'm just a last minute preparer. I'm, it's all on me. It's my fault. Okay, I, so I just need to get done earlier, think and reflect. 
and um, make our house calmer. We've just pledged to try to do that. All right, Sunday morning worship begins on Saturday night. A calm Sunday morning to help prepare your heart. So I'm just kind of leading up. Saturday night, Sunday morning. Okay, now, now what about when we're here? Just some real practical things about blessing the Lord. Our heart, a right heart is more important than an outward show. A right heart is more important than an outward show. You know, God is after our hearts. The fact that you're here at Rock Valley Bible Church this morning, wonderful, but it, in God's eyes doesn't count for a whole lot. God doesn't look to see who has come to church on Sunday morning. Rather, He looks at the hearts of those who are here. God doesn't see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And there are several times in Scripture where everybody on the outward perspective is, is doing what's right in a corporate worship service. They are, are saying the right words. They are going through the right motions. But God blasts them because their hearts are not right. Jesus said to the Pharisees, Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. In vain do they worship me. Here, here they got they got words, songs coming out of their mouth, but with a heart that is far from God. And God hates that. Jesus hates that. In fact, at one point, the wickedness of Israel got so bad that God said this, I hate, I reject your festivals, nor do I delight in your solemn assemblies. He said... Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the sound of your harps. Amos 5, 21-23. He says, you guys are saying the right things and you're even bringing your sacrifices and you're going to the festivals, but your heart is not right. You are evil people. I'm, God says, I'm not even going to listen. I'm going to shut my ears and, and say, la, 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 I can't hear you, I can't hear you. Because He hates the worship that they were doing. I want to okay. See, our, our worship here this morning is not about making a show. It's about a heart that's right before God. And, and, and you know, Scripture speaks so much about that. That's, that's not so much my intent today about helping you cultivate your heart because we do that every Sunday, but it's, it's acknowledging your sin. It's, it's expressing your need for a Savior. It's, it's boasting only in the cross. It's coming not in arrogance, but it's coming in humility. It's coming with a heart to serve and give. It's coming in all these ways. Just a heart that's soft before the Lord, that's open to hear God's Word and to change. That's, that's what's more important than even being here. That's what helps a Sunday morning. You worship there to bless the Lord with your whole heart. Now let me just say here a word about verse 2 that speaks about lifting up your hands to the sanctuary. It's okay at Rock Valley Bible Church if you raise your hands and worship. It's biblical. Right? It, it's an expression of your praise to God. And, and if you want to raise your hands, I say, go ahead and do so uninhibited. But, but let, me, let, me just, let me just warn you a little bit. We're not a big, big hand-raising church. I, I do find, you know what, in my private worship, as I think or praise the Lord, whether it's in the bathroom or in my study, I, I do find I raise my hands a lot, but I don't on Sunday morning. It's just... Uh, I don't. Maybe I should start that. But here's what I know. Every time you raise your hand, you draw attention right to yourself. I've been in congregations of thousands um, at conferences, and there's lots of people enthusiastic, and it's just wonderful worship, loud, pastors all singing. 
like they want their congregations to sing, you know, just really engaging it. And people are lifting up. I just find that, you know what, there's a screen. I'm just bringing attention to themselves. And sometimes, by the way, that's really good because someone is, is really into it. I see them. I'm encouraged. But they are loving Christ and it can encourage me. But it also can be, by the way, just a temptation of your heart that this is just what I do. Look at me, how spiritual I am. Similar warnings that Paul that Jesus gave to the Pharisees, right? When you give, don't sound the trumpets. Don't say, hey, look at how good I am. And here's the money. You want to see how much money I'm putting in here? Here, let me put it in. Boop. It's the same thing can be with, hey, look, how, it's just a warning I'm saying. But lifting up hands is, is okay at Rock Valley Bible Church. I'm never going to tell you, don't lift up your hands. But know there are dangers that come with it. But know that a right heart is more important than an outward show that's why the writer of the Hebrews says, when we draw near to God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. He says, when you come to God, come with a, a sincere heart. Right? That's just a, that genuine heart of devotion to the Lord that, that wants to pursue God, that's, that's not hypocritical in any way. That, come with a, a sincere heart. Come with a, a trusting heart that's in full assurance of faith. Just, just believing that all my sins are wiped away, that you're pure before the Lord, and you know that, that He is your all. So come to Him that way. Come with a, a pure heart, having a heart sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Those are some ways to come, just in, in purity before the Lord, the pure heart. Okay, my last real practical piece of advice. Sunday morning isn't merely you and God. But by that I mean that that Sunday mornings, right, what we're doing here this morning is is much more than just an individual time with you and the Lord. That comes at other times. That comes maybe in in morning devotions between you and the Lord. That comes maybe at night when you can't sleep and you take your Bible and you you read it by yourself. When you when you're just praying in your car all by yourself. That, that's you and God time. That's okay. But Sunday mornings is not merely you and God time. Sunday mornings is you with the people of God. I mean, let's say just look around. Right? We are all here this morning. And everyone here, I say, is important to your worship. When Israel would travel to Jerusalem, they'd travel in large caravans. Probably for safety reasons. But they traveled with a big group of people. Sometimes, for days at a time, their, their trip took. Because they're only coming up to Jerusalem three times a year, minimum. So they're all, all traveling together. So I remember in Luke chapter 2, when Jesus and His parents went up to Jerusalem for the Feast of the Passover, there were so many people that, that Joseph and Mary took a whole day's journey before they realized Jesus wasn't with them and then had to go back again to Jerusalem. And just saying that, that, that worship in Jerusalem's days was about people going up to the Lord, corporate. In Psalm 122, you get the sense of, of camaraderie. All the tribes, verse 4, go up to give thanks to the name of the Lord. And verse 8, you even see that my brothers are there and my friends are there. That's what corporate worship really is about. And likewise, just for Israel, so also the church. There's a purpose we're here on the Sunday mornings to encourage each other as well. You're here to encourage each other. Remember um, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. Brethren, do not forsake the gathering together. Such is the habit of some. 
but encourage one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. In other words, he says, don't neglect coming together because when you come together, there is a purpose there to encourage one another to press on until the day of Christ. So that implies that when you come, one of your purposes is for encouragement of each other, of others. Help them in their faith. Encourage them in their struggles. Help them in their doubts. Serve them. Find ways to help them. And, and, and not only is it for others, but it's also for you. You need help from others. There may be things in your life where you need others to help you. Now, that might be physical, tangible. It might just even be spiritual, like someone coming along, praying alongside of you that you, you, you never would have experienced apart from the, the corporate body together. We're here for each other. We're here to find out ways to serve one another. So we're find out here to help others see Jesus together. You know, I just say that there are many in our society today who come to church and simply make it between them and God. They come shortly before worship begins. They do their worship thing. They, they sing a few songs. They, they hear their concert. They listen to a nice message. And then they go their way, never speaking to anybody coming in and never speaking to anybody coming out, making it as quickly as possible. I spoke with many people down through the years. Oh, I like going to church because it's really fast. Like I can, I can go and, and get away, right? Um, Saturday night services can kind of be a similar thing because Saturday night, I just, I go and do my church thing. Okay, now I'm home. Now I've done my church thing, right? I, I've like, I've like paid my penance to God. I've kind of made my sacrifice to God. I, I've like done that. Now I'm done. Now I'm Sunday free. But it kind of, it's, it's missing it a little bit. If I'm describing you this morning, know that you're missing out and you're causing us to miss out as well. Sunday morning is a time of the week we can all be together and worship the Lord. And that's why at Rock Valley Bible Church, we extend our time. Um, it's, it's, it's not unusual. We, we are finished, we're normally finished by 1130 at Rock Valley Bible Church. And it, it's not unusual in another hour, 1230, to see people still here talking with one another, encouraging one another, serving one another. And I say that's important. We do everything we can. We give food. You know, we, we have cake and the kids get cake all over the carpet. And we'll replace that carpet someday soon here, we hope. But, but we'll make a mess that we've got to clean up. But what does that do? That helps extend the fellowship time. I was really encouraged this past summer. I uh, was at uh, Grace Bible Church where my in-laws go in California where we always go on vacation. And I was just really thinking about they're big enough. They have two services. Uh, at the church and the first service boy you got to help me I think it begins at 9 and maybe it's done by 10.30 or something like that and the next service starts at like 11.15 like 45 minutes between services and, and I know their aim is the same thing just, just let's have all the people mingle here for 45 minutes before the next service starts so it's not like okay get the first crowd out and the next crowd in because we, part, of, part of our corporate gatherings is with one another and so we seek to extend our fellowship time. And so I'd encourage, if at all possible, stay as, as long as you can. Know people and connect with them. That's why we have fellowship dinners the first Sunday of every month. So that we can be with one another. And so we can eat with one another. And so we can extend that time even more. So if at all possible, come. Well, those are my practical applications. Don't do that very often, but here's your real application. Sunday morning begins on Saturday night. A calm Sunday morning will help prepare your heart. 
A right heart is more important than an outward show, and Sunday morning isn't merely you and God. It's other people. All right? Follow those things, and uh, I think that you will bless the Lord. All right, let's turn to my second point. May the Lord bless you. Come straight from verse 3, right? May the Lord bless you from Zion, He who made heaven and earth. All right, so before we go to our application, which you can kind of see right there, I'm sure, let's think about the original pilgrims. They're traveling up to Jerusalem. They're seeking to worship the Lord in the temple. In verses 1 and 2, they have just called the Levites to bless the Lord. And here in verse 3, we see the blessing. May the Lord bless you from Zion. Now, many commentators believe that this is the priests now giving a blessing back to the people. The the people have exhorted the priests to bless the Lord, and now the priests are giving the blessing back to the people. As in Numbers 6, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance on you and give you peace. Kind of, you get the same kind of feel here. May the Lord bless you from Zion. And in this way, I think that Psalm 134 may have become this sort of liturgy. People would say to the Lord, to the priests, bless the Lord. And the, the priests would come back. May the Lord bless you. May have been used that way. We don't know exactly. It's how the psalm reads. But one thing we do know is that verse 3 is a, is a prayer for God's blessing. And, and how, regardless of how originally it was used, the application does come straight to us. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May the Lord bless us from Zion. I just want to say a word about this is that I've heard many people talk rightly about worship. Saying that it's not about us. Right? When we worship the Lord, it's all for Him. When we we give, we we give for God's glory. When we sing, we, we sing for His glory. When we preach, we preach for His glory. When we witness, we, we witness for His glory. Everything is about us just, just giving all that we have to God. John MacArthur says it this way, If you go to church selfishly to seek a blessing, you've missed the point of worship. We go to give glory not to be blessed. The issue isn't, did I get anything out of it, but did I, from my heart, give glory to God? Now I say there's a ton of truth there. God's the master, we're the servants. We serve Him, He doesn't serve us. God owes us nothing. God is not this cosmic blessing dispenser where we we come to God to get His blessings to fit our agenda. I say, sadly, there are many who have gone down that path. God is merely a a mechanism for them to seek a a better life. There's health or wealth or prosperity and God is the path to my prosperity, so I'm going to use Him to get to that end. And if that's, that's you, that's, that's just not right. Because God takes no delight in people who try to use Him to accomplish their own plans. Rather, God takes delight in those who completely surrender their will totally to God and say, God, here's everything I am. I, I give it all to You. And so when we worship, we aim for God's glory. That's all true. And I say, Amen. But sometimes people can take that truth and just say that's all that worship is about. And, and they swing and just say, no, it's all about God. It's not about us at all. It's not what we get. It's all what we give. Well, I'm like, who are you to give to God? And MacArthur, but by the way, I just say with good intentions, people are over there. MacArthur, though, just a few sentences later, said this, blessing comes from God in response to our worship. 
So, so MacArthur's understanding this aspect about we give everything to God and then God, God does bless us, but it comes in response to our total worship to Him. So we give ourselves completely to the Lord. I would say this, though. We should look for something in return. There is something that you get at Rock Valley Bible Church when you come and worship Him together. And I think that's what verse 3 is getting at. Right? We've lifted up our hands. We have blessed the Lord. Now may the Lord bless you. If words have meaning, these words express a desire to be blessed of the Lord. These words express that something, that we will receive something back from the Lord. Okay, so it's a little bit like this. As the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul longs after you, O Lord. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. You know the imagery, right? The thirsty animals out there seeking satisfaction in the waters of the stream. As the deer gets to the water and licks up, he, he satisfies all his need in the water. So the parallel comes to us. We are thirsty saints. And God is our stream. And, and we long for God. And so we go and we just say, God, I'm thirsty and I need to come to you and I need to drink from you. And we drink from God and He satisfies our soul and He gives us His blessing. That's a picture of worship. I love how John Piper puts it. He says this, I say to my people, Piper says, you don't have anything to bring to this service. You come in here dead. You come in here discouraged. You come in here bankrupt. You come in here empty. And maybe if you're empty enough, God might get some glory from you by your craving His fullness. But if you come here craving it, and if you come here craving, longing, desiring, knowing this one thing, that everything in this world has failed to satisfy my soul, I'm going to church this morning because I just might drink from the fountain of living water and have my soul satisfied. That's the kind of people I want to come. And that's the kind of service that will explode with life. It's thirsty people. It's hungry people. It's needy people who come to worship. And do you even see how different it is? It just says, no, we come and we just give God everything. We don't have anything to give. The, the poor man has nothing to give. The hungry man needs to eat. Start with, so we come to God seeking satisfaction and delight. And, and this is the sort of blessing that God gives. I think the blessing of, of verse 3 is first and foremost, fundamentally, God gives us Himself. So we have Him. And you know what? This whole idea of just desperation before God coming empty, needing God to bless us, is the whole idea of our September 8th worship service. I want to encourage you to come here desperate for God, longing for God. I want to encourage you to fast before coming that day. Whatever that means, whether it's the week before fasting, whether it's just Saturday night, nothing. I just want you to come empty needing to be filled with God, desperate. I want you to say with Asaph, Psalm 73, verse 25, Whom have I in heaven but you? And beside you I desire nothing on earth. God, you're my only desire. I, I want you to say with Paul, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. There's nothing here of the world that's gained to me except knowing Christ. I want you to come with the heart of David. Oh God, you are my God. I will seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you. That's my vision for September 8th. And when we come on that day, just try to, try to, try to 
peak and pinnacle, if you will. Well, three times a year, Israel came. Just a, a pinnacle worship of God that we can we can do that. But I say this, if we are ever to expect the Lord to bless us, verse three. How must we come? We must come in desperation, longing for God, longing for him to bless our life. I say, is that your heart towards the Lord? Do you long for His blessings upon your life? Do you know that God is the only one who can give you those blessings? Are you longing for God to bless this church that God would do through us wonderful things? Praying for lost people to come to Christ through us. Praying for those apart from Christ now to come and hear of Him. Listen, God is fully capable of blessing our lives. The idea here at the end, He who made heaven and earth says that He's the creator of the world. He speaks the world into existence. If you can speak the world into existence, if you can span the heavens with your span, if the nations are less than just a drop in the bucket, certainly God is powerful enough to do anything Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, Not to him who can do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, be glory forever. That's God who can do far more abundantly beyond all that we can ask. But are we asking? Are we seeking? Are we coming desperately that, that God would bless our lives? Uh, I say Rock Valley Bible Church, as we've gone through songs of ascent, as we've gone from being far from God and far from God's people up into the mountains, there with God's people, seeing the blessing, remembering the military victories, coming in humility. May we worship the Lord. May it change our church for years to come. Let us seek Him. Let's pray. Father, real simple psalm. I pray, God, You'd help us to apply these things into our lives. There would be those who are worshipers of You, that we would bless You. God, and we long that You would bless us. Even as we went over in prayer meeting today, the fighter verses, Acts 20, verse 35, it's more blessed to give than to receive. God, we want to be givers. God, but we know that in order to give, we need to have received first. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, what would have you given but that you have not received first? And so we want to receive that we might give it out. Psalm 67, God, God, be gracious to us and bless us and cause your face to shine upon us that your ways may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. God, help us to, to use the things you give us to, to spread to others. We might freely give to others. And we long to be a church that worships you that sees and knows your blessing to us. We thank you for your word. Pray in Christ's name. Amen.